This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the post-Vikings over Washington football team Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with Judd Zolgad. Judd, how's your Sunday? Uh, my Sunday is uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, soon to be filled with even more football because I can never get enough. And uh, maybe a little more tense than it needed to be. It looked in the second half like the Vikings were just going to stroll on to victory, like they were going to hand it off to Latavius Murray or throw dump-offs to Jarek McKinnon, wind the clock, and then go home with a win. But one case Keenum had to make things uh, a little more dramatic, I would say. Yeah, I would. Uh, I think it's fair to say that the uh, that the um, uh, theatrics that we did not like the case reserved for the first half of the Baltimore and Cleveland game. He he used in the second half of this game because his first half was fantastic. And I think with eight minutes and fifty seconds left in the third quarter, the announcer said he had the old perfect one fifty eight point three passer rating. Mm-hmm. That did that did not continue much past that. Uh, No, it did not. And I think, and uh, this was my instant reaction column, that this is exactly why you need Teddy Bridgewater to start. Uh, Speaking of the announcing team, they mixed something in that I'm not sure everyone caught. Uh, They said that Mike Zimmer told them in their pregame meeting that uh, it's a matter of if, uh, or rather when and not if, Teddy Bridgewater will be back. So only a matter of time until Teddy Bridgewater is playing quarterback for the Vikings. And that makes a lot of sense. As good as Case Keenum was at times during this game, there were a lot of throws up in the air that Adam Thielen went and got or Stephon Diggs burned Josh Norman and he was wide open. It's not to take away from what he did in the first half, but nearly throwing away a game and keeping a very good offense in the game at the end uh, kind of shows you why Case Keenum has always been a backup quarterback because that fearlessness that occasionally pays off or has paid off kind of a lot of times this year also can cost you and I that I mean very close there to letting Washington come back in the game well and two if you're the uh, if you're the Vikings and, and you look at both those picks that he threw in the second half those are picks that will lose you a playoff game and it's that simple I mean there's no question uh, his first pick he threw into I believe that they showed on the screen there were three or four Washington defenders Around the intended receiver there, Rudolph had absolutely no chance. Keenum threw it off his back foot, and he lobbed it up in the air. And you saw him throw that pass, and you said, what are you doing? And that pass was terrible. The second pick, he did not see the defender at all and and was picked off. And aside from the fact that he came back and actually um, forced the player out of bounds, that would have been a touchdown. Both those picks are second-half type of picks that if you throw those in January, on January, let's say, 13th, your season's over. You're done. So, yeah, I I would side with you. And there has just been enough consistently from him 
where if you say to yourself, okay, this is a playoff team, this is a team that looks to be like a team that could not only make the playoffs, Matthew, but could make a postseason run, and therefore, what can we expect from our quarterback? Keenum shows you enough things uh, per game where you say, okay, what he's done has been really good, and, and he was a good signing, but all of that being said, he also does those few things that will absolutely, no doubt, if you're playing a very good team, lose you a playoff game. Uh, one big benefit, though, of winning this game is that at 7-2, and two, the Vikings do not have to panic to get Teddy Bridgewater back in there. So going into uh, next week against Los Angeles, one of the best defenses, one of the best teams in the NFL, but one of the best defensive lines. They have Aaron Donald, who's a tremendous player and is virtually unblockable. I mean, I think you stick with Case Keenum for now, and you've got the option of getting, giving Teddy Bridgewater as much time as you want to give him uh, to come back. I mean, it could be on Thanksgiving Day, or if Case Keenum beats the Rams, you could continue to wait. But I think before the end of the season, Teddy Bridgewater is back as, as the starting quarterback. And one thing that keeps coming out, there was a report today from Ian Rappaport, and the broadcast mentioned this too, is that yep. Teddy Bridgewater in practice, that people are talking about him looking really good. And I know that that's practice, and I know you can't simulate the game, but how fast he's come back to be active and to be the backup here today and those reports that are coming out, everything is pointing in the direction of him coming back. So now they just have to have a plan for when they want to do that. And maybe it, maybe it's your scenario that you've brought up a bunch of times of how maybe Case Keenum is having a bad first half instead of second half like he did against Baltimore, and they decide to turn the ball over to Teddy. I am still very much in favor after watching this game today of being as patient as possible and having a return date ready, whether that is uh, against Detroit a couple of weeks from now or not. But I like the idea of saying, all right, well, Keenum, you got another win. Great work. Adam Thielen sure played the game of his life again today, but mm -hmm. and bailed you out a couple of times and made great plays. But mm -hmm. now it's going to be Teddy time whenever that may come. Well, and let's parse through, through things here because I'm sure there are people who are trying to, to sort of get right in their own heads with what Zimmer says to the media versus what he says on the Saturday night before a game when, when he meets with the broadcasters who are going to do a game. This is very simple. When Mike Zimmer tells you guys that Everson Griffin's going to play, he's flat out lying. I don't care he's lying, but he's lying. And 99 out of 100 times, if he thinks the player might not play, he's still going to tell tell you on a in a press conference setting, right? When somebody says, "How is Everson Griffin doing?" He's going to say, "I fully expect him to play." Yeah, and and most of the time he won't play. Okay, so he's going to so so once again, I do not care. So this is not this is not me complaining. I'm just telling you this is my experience in covering this league. Coaches in those situations will usually switch to their default position and just lie to you. The production meeting. It's completely different because the coach and a few players in, I believe, in separate settings are in a conference room in the hotel that the team is staying at are brought in to meet with broadcasters. And it's very relaxed and it's very and they and the coaches will tell the broadcasters a lot of stuff that they that they know the broadcasters won't talk about unless that type of play or something transpires in the game. But a lot of times they will also talk about their expectations for players and players who are hurt. Mm -hmm. And what they say in those settings is usually absolutely true. So when Mike Zimmer tells uh, Charles Davis and Kevin Burkhart, I fully expect that Teddy is going to play or that he is going to play, it's only a matter of time. That is the truth. 
So make no mistake here. He's going to play. I mean, this is not a, I think he might play. This is a, this is, as you said, this is only a question now of when he was telling the truth in that setting. And I guarantee it. Somebody, maybe you on Monday will ask Zim that very question in the press conference. And you will probably get an answer that is far more vague Mm -hmm. and beats around the bush. But what he said on Saturday night to those guys is the truth. Teddy Bridgewater will play. We we just don't know when, and perhaps the Vikings do or don't know, but they fully plan on playing him. And I, I think they fully plan on starting him long enough to, A, have him prepared for the playoffs, and B, have, having, have an opportunity to see him enough to make a judgment on a long-term contract starting in 2018. I would like to say this, too, before we move on more to the actual game, that what the Minnesota Vikings front office was able to accomplish by bringing in Case Keenum is having a quarterback that could keep you alive under great circumstances. And I mean great. How about they're playing their backup right tackle, and he comes in and does a really good job today, Rashad Hill, uh, this excellent offensive line where you can pound the ball in from the one yard line all of a sudden unlike last year (laughs) Mm -hmm. these two wide receivers i i don't know of a better tandem in the nfl than adam thielen and stefan diggs so that they got a guy who was experienced enough as a starter who could handle a very rocky situation like he did last year in los angeles with jared goff being the number one overall pick he's got the right personality to do it He's good enough that he'll take risks to throw down the field to great wide receivers. He can operate the screen game and things like that. They found the perfect person to be their backup quarterback. And knowing that Sam Bradford had the history he had, Case Keenum, if this season does go really, really well down the road a couple of months from now for the Vikings, we should look back and say, what an incredible job to get Case Keenum and what an incredible job by Case Keenum I mean, to win this game, he's got to throw four touchdowns. I mean, his second half, he nearly throws the game away. That's why you're a backup quarterback. But he threw four touchdowns in this game to keep up when the defense was a little bit light without Everson Griffin. I have, uh, I have certainly, and you've joined me in uh, criticizing Rick Spielman's moves previously, right? And we both speculated uh, during the course of the summer that if the Vikings didn't come back and have a good year, he should and he should be and could be in trouble. I will now submit to you that if this continues on the course it's been on, that he should be considered, considered not win necessarily, executive of the year in this league based on, based on the fact that he went from uh, going into 2016 without a backup quarterback to this year having a pretty good one in place, that he uh, helped rebuild by drafting and signing uh, the offensive line. You signed two tackles who have been solid, certainly you saw you drafted a center in Elf Line, who we saw again today, made a great block, but he's been for a, a rookie, he's been incredible. If you look at what the Vikings did reconstructing uh key pieces to this roster in the months leading up to the season, I think Rick Spielman, for as much as we've criticized him in the past, deserves a lot of credit there. It's uh, really about learning from the mistakes of the past. Drafting Pat Elfline, this is Correct. a Elfline as a prospect was never a Hall of Fame athlete prospect. He wasn't like a TJ Clemmings that was a a long shot, a guy who had an amazing NFL combine, something like that. This was the Remington Award winner in college who played at a big university where you knew you could project what he's going to be. He is never going to be the best center in the NFL, but he's going to be a really good one. And you could figure that out knowing his smarts that he had enough athleticism to move like we see him do. And, and they decided this time around, we're not drafting, taking big swings for the future. We're taking a guy that can fill in right now, and he has. And Reef and Remmers, though Remmers did not play today, 
uh, they have been terrific as well. And then the fact that you got Rashad Hill off somebody else's practice squad, did any of us had any expectations that Rashad Hill could actually play this game? I mean, if you're on somebody's practice squad, we assume that basically you can't really play if you're an offensive lineman or someone would already have you and they spot him and they bring him in. And I thought he was good enough against Cleveland and he was very, very good today. And Washington has some good players on defense. Ryan Kerrigan is very good. And I didn't notice Hill getting beat at all. And I think he was good at times in the run game. So I totally agree with you that on the offensive side, some of the things, some of the areas where they made mistakes with free agents or with that, with drafting, they amended those mistakes this year. And Latavius Murray had a nice day too. So the depth that they have been able to build up uh, at yep. the running back position on the offensive line is a huge deal. Now to this game, Judd, mm-hmm. Adam mm-hmm. Thielen has had many great NFL games now. And I appreciated that Charles Davis on the broadcast said, you know, we need to stop talking about this guy as an underdog. This, uh, this guy's more than that. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL. This might have been his best game. Uh, I would say the, the answer is definitely yes. I mean, he, he has made um, a lot of good catches. He runs great routes, which they talked about on the telecast today. But I don't remember a game where he has put together something like this. And he and Keenum have have what, whatever it is, they have it. I mean, their chemistry is fantastic. Um, but Thielen, Thielen's a testament to the fact that if you have athletic ability and you work really hard at that position – uh, with his hands, but I think most importantly, his ability to be in the right place, right? I mean, he is all, he always is seemingly in the right place. And here's the ultimate compliment that I can pay him. The ultimate compliment that I can pay to, uh, to Thielen came with eight minutes left on a third and one in the final quarter of this game. When Case Keenum threw him a slightly low, but catchable, but still slightly low, not a great pass. And Thielen didn't catch it. And I looked and said, he didn't catch that? That is the ultimate compliment that I can pay to this guy because it's gotten to the point now where if the ball is anywhere in his vicinity, I expect him to catch it. Uh, He he was fantastic. He's been great all year. And and for every time that you draft a LeQuan Treadwell or somebody like that and you miss and you get a guy like this who basically comes to your your rookie camp, tries out, and and the team's like, okay, I guess we'll sign you. That's the nature of this league where you wildly whiff on some and then a guy shows up from a school in Mankato and and basically begs to try out and you say yes and he turns into a wide receiver who now when he does not catch a pass, that's a tough catch. I'm amazed he didn't catch it. There really is no replacement in the NFL for being a very smart player who can learn and get get better. I mean, the the two receivers that they have – undrafted and fifth round picks. Stephon Diggs was excellent early in the game. And then you've got to think that that opens things up for Adam Thielen. I mean, when those two are on the field and a hundred percent healthy at the same time, they uh-huh. are unstoppable. I mean, it just, they haven't been very often because Diggs has been hurt with the groin injury, but we've seen it that no, it's almost like no matter who's playing quarterback, these guys, uh, teams cannot cover both of them. They can't focus on both at the same time. And if they do, then maybe it opens up underneath things for the running backs or, or for Kyle Rudolph. And having talked to both of them, I don't know, a, a dozen times each or more. I mean, Adam Thielen talks almost every day now. Uh, but we've done podcasts with Stefan Diggs. We've had him on the radio. We've talked to him. The thing you always come away with is this man really knows his craft. And 
both of them can go out and do it too. And then they have a natural sense for how to get open. Adam Thielen, great example of why he's so good. At the play in the end zone where he catches the touchdown, he does a subtle little lean with his shoulders like he's going to go one way and then just drifts back the other way wide open. And if you're Josh Norman and you see his shoulders start to go one way, you have to stop and wait to see if he's going to cut back, and he didn't, and there he's wide open. Just a little thing, and boy, did they burn Josh Norman up and down the field today. I mean, he is known as one of the better corners in the league, but he got ripped apart by both Thielen and Diggs. Now, I'd want to talk about the defensive side of this, Judd, because when you look at the final score, the Vikings gave up 30 points, and when you look at the early returns of this game on defense, Uh, They struggled at times. An unbelievable catch by a receiver I have never heard of in my life, Maurice Harris, for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. But I would argue... He was on the practice squad, Collar. They just promoted him for the practice squad, and he he made an Odell Beckham special. Doing all of my preparation this week, I never looked at him one time for who he was or why they brought him up practice squad or his background. I was they old. barely did. Yeah. So, and it was a great catch. I thought it was actually pretty good coverage by Trey Waynes, but it was a phenomenal catch. I would argue that the Vikings defense did a job today, that it wasn't going to be easy because this is when healthy, which they were today. Washington is one of the best offenses in the NFL. You could see that Cousins knows how to get it uh, to his wide receivers. What an mm-hmm. incredible play call by Jay Gruden on fourth down, the fade throw to Chris Thompson one-on-one with a linebacker. I mean, this is a dangerous offensive attack, and they did enough to win the game. I think this is one where you look at it and say you'd be really stunned if they were able to dominate Washington's offense because they have so much talent when they're healthy and have a great offensive line. Do enough to win the game, and they did, and they came up with uh, big plays at big times, interception, the sack at the end from Daniil Hunter. I wouldn't walk away from this game going, ugh, I'm really worried about the Vikings' defense. I would say, yeah, sometimes you face really good offenses, and you have to do what it takes just to win. Yeah, I think the one thing we saw today, though, and and we have alluded to this, is um, the Vikings' offense, other than if Riley Reef went out for an extended period, maybe, but but – I'll even extend this uh, to part of the line because we've seen him go out. We've seen Remmers go out today, and Hill played and played well. The Vikings offense um, has enough versatility and enough ability that you want to be at full strength. But if they lose guys, they have they have the ability to make up for that. Dalvin Cook goes out, McKinnon and Murray, and especially Jarek play well. Okay, but we've talked about this probably for a month-plus caller, both of us. The Vikings defense has about five or six components that you really, really need. If, if you're going to play your best, and if you are going to win uh, come the playoffs, Everson Griffin has to play. Mm-hmm. And and when you and when you don't have him, and now and now Hunter, who got a sack late in today's game, but when he has to move to the right defensive end, and Robinson, who's a thousand years old, now has to play a lot. That takes something away from your defense. So this does go back to the conversation of um, Everson Griffin is crucial. Linval Joseph, who was a madman today. I, I don't know who who woke him up at 2 a.m. or something, but, I mean, he ordinarily is fantastic. He was annihilating people today. Um, Anthony Barr, I think Kendricks is key. Harrison Smith, no question, is key. Xavier Rhodes. There's a, there's a handful or a few more uh, with that defense. If you lose them from this defense, you can definitely tell. 
Yeah, I agree on uh, Everson Griffin, of course. That, that that was a big difference maker because early in the game, they weren't able to pressure Kirk Cousins a whole lot. I didn't love the decision, Judd, to have Daniil Hunter rushing from the other side. Now, he finishes with a pretty good day. He made a great play against the run at one point. I'm trying to remember when exactly that was, but he ends up with four tackles. It was down near the goal line. He gets a key sack at the end of the game. He had two quarterback hits. So overall, it ends up being a pretty good game for Daniil Hunter when a lot of the time he was facing off with Trent Williams, five-time Pro Bowl left tackle. I think I probably would have preferred to have him rushing from his usual spot, though, because that might have been a bigger advantage. And Robison did come up with a key pass deflection that really helped them win the game. But it's pretty clear that Robison is not the player that he once was, that he's on the other side, and he's kind of a a fill-in type player. The difference between him and Everson Griffin is just gigantic, and that's that's exactly the thing about if you're gonna if you're gonna win with defense, this is kind of why they need Bridgewater back. If you're gonna win with defense, this game right here was a little bit of evidence of what can happen if you're missing a guy. I mean, they were still able to produce a ton on offense. But you also can't give the other team an opportunity to stay in it. But with Griffin, I mean, he's got a sack in every game. He needs to be chipped. He needs to be doubled. And I think that's a big part of it, that we always look at the sacks and their impact. But mm-hmm. the other th- the team, the opposing team needs to focus their whole game plan, knowing that their left tackle is going to be beat by Everson Griffin. And they didn't have to do that so much this week. And I think you saw it in this game. Yeah, and that's the and that goes back to, to the conversation. And this is why I'm very curious uh, for for the Rams game because I think the Rams are going to be a very interesting test because that's a really good team, and and the Vikings are stacking up to be very good too. I mean, they they looked uh, today that they had their faults at times, but I mean, this looks like a definitely more solid, more consistent both sides of the ball club than we saw in 2016. All of that being said, the Rams game really intrigues me because there's only so many games on the schedule in this league where if you think that your team is really good, you could say, okay, that's an opponent now that's going to be a good test. And I think uh, a week from today when the Rams play the Vikings downtown here at the U.S. Bank Stadium, it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, Hopefully Griffin's back for that game because you do want to see – in my opinion, at least, you want to see all of your defensive components go against that team. Offensively, as I said, it's been proven. You, you can strip some guys away here or there, and, and much of this, by the way, too, uh, credit, Pat Shermer's done a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. he's going to get. he is going to be a head coach uh, at some point in time in the coming months after the uh, Vikings season comes to an end. But all that being said, the Rams game really intrigues me because I do think what you're going to see is a really, really good test of two teams that have a lot of strengths. And if Griffin doesn't play and now you're back to uh, Hunter playing on the right side, Robinson playing too many snaps on the left side, it takes away from what you're going to be able to do against uh, Jared Goff in that offense for sure. Oh, they definitely need uh, Everson back. And I think he will be. I mean, you know, I don't think that Mike Zimmer was lying on Thursday because Griffin was limited in practice on Friday. So he was improving. And then Griffin even told an NFL Network reporter before the game that he planned on playing. But then in warmups, I don't know if he re-aggravated something or uh, just didn't feel like he could go. But it seemed like all the arrows were pointing in that direction. So I would expect him to be back against the Rams. Let me just circle back. And I agree, this is one of the games of the year. I think in the NFL, it's one of the games of the year. Vikings uh, against Rams, not just for, it might be for now, us yeah. here. Yeah. Sure, um, I agree. 
just to defend the defense a little more, pulled up some of the stats from this game. 6.8 mm-hmm. yards per pass attempt for Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. Not all that good. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they did pressure him a number of times, five quarterback hits, and they only gave up three yards rushing. And something I wanted to bring up, three yards per carry. They gave up 81, but three yards per carry. Something okay. I wanted to bring up about the defense is we were really concerned about Sharif Floyd not being here and what the defensive line would look like without Sharif Floyd. And even though he hasn't put up big numbers or anything like that, Tom Johnson is playing 70% of snaps, and I think he's been phenomenal. I mean, a guy that another guy that was undrafted, played in Canada, and and just has battled his way onto the roster, and then we all doubted whether he could do it, including me. I wasn't a hundred percent convinced that he could play against the run, and now here we have it with him playing basically the whole game, and this this team has continued to be one of the best in the NFL against the run. Yeah, his uh, the, the play that he made on fourth down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? Fourth and one. And Washington handed the ball off, and Tom Johnson blew through the Redskins' offensive line like it was nothing and made a fantastic play. And the thing that I didn't account for, too, is we knew that, that Linval Joseph was an outstanding player. But like today, as I said earlier on the podcast, he was killing people. I mean, he put, he put a hit on a receiver early in the game where I don't think the guy came back. And I would highly doubt that that guy right now right now knows if he's in Washington State or Washington D.C. I mean, Linval Joseph was absolutely annihilating people. He has been great, but yeah, Tom Johnson against the run has been has been superior to what I expected. I think, and he's been really really good. And that line as a whole has been outstanding. And today it was fine. It's just that when Griffin's gone, you can definitely tell just because he's oh, yeah. so damn good. He's so damn good. Yep, he's so good. But, yeah, they, they played well, and that Johnson play on fourth down was really, really, really noticeable. Here's what you may have missed on a recent Scoop podcast with Doogie. We will see Teddy Bridgewater at some point take snaps. The Vikings still think the world of Teddy. Mike Zimmer thinks the world of Teddy. The Vikings have to make a determination if Teddy is worthy of being the 2018 starting quarterback. I mean, sometimes we forget all three of these quarterbacks are free agents come March. So who is back? Do they go for an outsider? Do they re-sign one of the guys? I mean, I think right now my money would be on Teddy Bridgewater being this team's quarterback in 2018. But there's still some unknown there, even though he looks good in practice. You know, how will everything translate to game situations? When guys start diving at his legs, diving at his knees, how will he respond? You can find the Scoop podcast on the 1500ESPN.com podcast page or on iTunes or really wherever you get your podcasts. A couple other just notes that I had written down from today's game. Laquan Treadwell, zero catches, zero yards on one target. And it's did safe. I see him out there? Okay, I okay, I couldn't find him. I texted you during the game to say, did they bench him for Jarius Wright or something? Or, I or is he hurt? I think they were just using Jarius Wright more often, and then they were Good. using the, the two tight end sets. And, you know, I don't know what the deal is with Michael Floyd because Michael Floyd practiced – all week and just did not make his way into the game. I think I said this to you last week, but Michael Floyd will go down as the most talked about nothing that ever happened in Minnesota. I mean, just a lots of conversation about what he can bring, how good he was in training camp. And maybe at some point he shows up and has a big game. But as far as it goes right now, 
Uh, they don't really even need a number three wide receiver. That you, you see it all the time, Diggs' 51-yard catch, where they line up David Morgan in there with Kyle Rudolph and run a play action, and yes. somebody's wide open. And, and Morgan has shown in the last couple of weeks, he caught the touchdown today, he had a third down catch uh, against Cleveland, that if you throw him the ball, he'll catch it. I mean, he's not a real weapon, but... I think the deception is almost better than having another wide receiver in there. So I don't think that they really need to worry about it too much and then can mix Jarius right in on occasion. But I, I think this is kind of what we'll see from Laquan Treadwell from now on, just limited number of snaps, very few targets, and then maybe Floyd gets mixed in. But I like in throwing situations, especially to have Jarius right in there instead. It's nothingness. It's nothingness, Matthew. That's what he provides you. I mean, he plays on special teams, so I get that. But I mean, he's no threat. He is—he's the—he's the one component of this offense where, when he's on the field, you can confidently say he's zero threat. Mm-hmm. If you want to cover him, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. Um, to back to your point about uh, in defense of the defense's play today, too. I will say this: the Linval Joseph roughing the passer play, which I think came on third down and gave Washington a first down, definitely hurt. And then, all right, gentlemen. I'm talking to the Vikings right now, and the receivers in particular. All right? I think it's great if you know the celebration rules. So if you want to play duck, duck, great, <laughs> duck, goose, that's yeah. great. If you want to play hopscotch, go for it. If you want to play, what, what did Thielen play today? Uh, Where they all jumped what, over what, each what other? What do they call that? Uh, I've got it written down hop, here somewhere no, just because I knew uh, I wouldn't remember. Hopscotch? No, uh, not hopscotch. Hold on a second. got it written down here. <laughs> leapfrog. Leapfrog, they played leapfrog. Right, yeah. Okay. But let's know all the rules, Stefan Diggs. And by the way, you're a very smart guy. Stefan Diggs, let's know the rules. You can't simulate whatever you did with the goalpost because when you tell your defense, hey, by the way, we're really sorry, but we're going to have to kick off from 15 yards up, that's not very smart. Uh, yeah, we've seen him do that a number of times, whether it was uh, last year he had a couple of penalties for spinning the ball. That was when you weren't allowed to spin the ball, but now you are. And yep. uh, you cannot give the goalpost a hug. I mean, look, I understand why they don't want to hurt the goalpost because then it's a delay a game and then they yes. have to, you know, go fix the goalpost and all that. So and I, they don't I, want guys slam dunking on it. That's yeah, exactly why. Yeah, yeah. Right, because I think it was Jimmy Graham bent the, uh, bent the yep. goalpost. At the yep. same time, you can't hug the goalpost, but apparently you can hide behind the goalposts, use that as a prop in that way like Pittsburgh did when they played hide-and-go-seek. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, and you saw Diggs on the sideline apologizing to everybody for his, his penalty. Though, I, I mean, it made a little bit of an impact, maybe 10 yards or whatever, you know, after they kicked off. I didn't think that was a huge deal in the game. It wasn't something to me that stuck out, but Stefan Diggs No, but I think they gave a point them. on that drive. My, they did, my yes. Po- my point is, review the rules. your defense's sake. Um, and my only question is this. Can you go Joe Horn and hide a mm. uh, Save by the Bell era cell phone <laughs> in the goalpost like Horn did? Because I still want to see that. Um, among my notes that I also have written down, and, and this is, okay, so this guy was beaten once badly today. But fortunately for his sake, uh, Kirk Cousins overthrew the ball in the end zone. But he also made some nice plays. And this is the most that I've, I have noticed him in a single game since he was drafted by the Vikings. And it's a guy that we have criticized a lot. Mackenzie Alexander, mm-hmm. I noticed him a lot today. He made, uh, he deflected a pass, I think, near the end of the game uh, in the end zone. That was a nice play. But this is the most that I've ever noticed him. He had the uh, the pickoff, the tip 
that led to the touchdown right before the half. Mackenzie Alexander is a guy who I believe that we have been justified in calling out. Nice game, though. Uh, he did have a nice, he did have a nice game, and though there is you know a little bit of um, luck involved, like you said, the Cousins sure. throw doesn't land. There was also a tip pass that he was actually beat on, but Cousins underthrew the ball, and mm-hmm. if that hadn't happened, he doesn't tip it down. It ends up going for a touchdown. So maybe if Aaron Rodgers is throwing that ball instead of Kirk Cousins, uh, the interception is also luck. I mean, it's a tipped ball that you just happen to be standing there. Uh, But overall, I agree with you that it's the first time we've really noticed him. And I would say this, it's quite clear that this team knows how to develop cornerbacks. I mean, I think we're seeing that. Like Trey Waynes was beat once today on an unbelievable catch by a guy no one's ever heard of. Other than that, did you see Trey Waynes get beat? Like, not really. I think he's. Nope. I think he's made huge progress going from playing fifty percent of the snaps last year to ninety this year, where you could trust him as a starter. Uh, that's a huge gain from a couple of years ago. And I, maybe we're seeing that with Alexander too. This team likes to be very patient with their cornerbacks, and it may eventually pay off. Though I would say, you know, Terrence Newman came up with a huge play at the end of the game too, and Newman has been one of the there's many MVPs, but the fact that he has moved positions at 39 years old and still makes plays is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it really oh, is. Great. You just never see that in the NFL, a guy going this far into his career and then having to switch spots. Uh, you don't see that very often. So their, com- their confidence in their cornerbacks is so off the charts and good for them, but it's so high that when Xavier Rhodes got hurt again t- today, and I believe he got kicked Went to the locker room and came back and played. So I think he's fine. But when he left the game, they put in Tremaine Brock, who looked when he joined the team earlier this year like an absolute you know, car wreck. You said mm-hmm. to yourself, oh, boy, this might not work. Tremaine Brock actually replaced Rhodes and played okay. He yeah. wasn't great. But, I mean, their confidence that they can teach their position. If they deem you to have any skill whatsoever, they're convinced that they can turn you into a, a serviceable to decent cornerback. Do you have anything else before uh, we play our little game, agree or disagree? Uh, yes. One thing the TV uh, broadcast brought up early that I found that I found in a nerdy way very intriguing. So it's not a big deal, but I found it to be intriguing. It, it worked today because I don't think that there was one missed PAT. Like Kai Forbath has switched to the right hash mark on his PATs now. Hmm. And if you noticed, I believe on at least a couple, if not more, he didn't leave himself a lot of room. He basically kicked, so he was kicking from the right hash mark, and the ball went in basically straight, so it didn't make it by a lot. But Kai, Kai is basically, I think, to the point now where he says, bleep it, I'm going to mentally see if this works. So I found that to be intriguing that Kai Forbath continues to be a work in progress on PATs. But you know what? If he can solve that problem, he's fine because he made, what, a 50-plus yard field goal again today yeah. on that turf? I mean, that place is a colossal disaster of a turf. So if Kai has solved the PAT problems, good for him. Uh, One thing about Forbath is just that he's turned out to be also a great signing by the front office. I don't know if you could have predicted it because kickers are really, outside of the great ones, they're really hard to predict who's going to be good when you get a -a rent-a-kicker. But the guy has missed one field goal, and he's been nailing him from 50-plus all year. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. I expected him. One of the reasons they brought in competition for him in training camp was because Marshall Kane had a, a bigger leg, and Forbath has shown that he can knock it from 50 any time. And that's another one of those sort of 
here's how the game works and then the narratives we tell. But if he misses that field goal and Washington goes down and scores and ties the game, uh, we're looking at Case Keenum on that throw you mentioned earlier. Adam Thielen was wide open, and you have to make that throw on third down. That would have ended the game, but instead he throws it into the dirt and then forces his kicker to nail it from 53. If he misses, which would have been yep. under, understandable, a 53-yard field goal in Washington, but if, yep. he, if he misses that, then Washington all of a sudden has life again, and Keenum kind of got bailed out there quite a bit. And that's, it goes back to that point that he has his really good times, but then he has other times where you're very frustrated by uh, some of his inaccuracy, especially on those intermediate throws, 10 yards, 15 yards down the field, Kind of the, yep. the opposite of, uh, of Teddy Bridgewater. Thielen and McKinnon were both open on that play. He threw that pass. And, Collar, I guarantee you, if we are, if on January, pick the date, on a Sunday in January, if we are talking about a pass being thrown off his back foot and being lobbed into essentially what amounts to triple coverage after a game against the Saints, we're not going to be talking about a Vikings win. Uh, all right, I, that's just the uh, truth. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally agree. Um, speaking of agreeing, huh? Oh, this is why you are a radio professional. Oh, it's amazing. They taught you this in Buffalo, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they uh, gave me a raise here. So, I mean, they must be the liking the bill. By the way, nice job by your bills today. Let's not talk why? about that. Let's... The bills, I'm the not, bills were I'm not here talking about the bills. It was like 25 degrees and snowing in Buffalo, so I picked them. I picked the bills to at least not get thrashed. They covered the spread, and the Saints drilled them. Nice job, Buffalo. Uh, you're going to have to ask the Bills about that. Uh, we're keeping Bills conversations internal. What, <laughs> what other cliche can I, uh, can I give about of, of that? Of course it, you are. Not right. good, not let's, good. But, let's play the game. Well, let's play the game. The Bills are actually related to the things I wrote down for agree or disagree. Uh, okay. Are, where do, okay, let me phrase it properly. Are the Vikings the best team in the NFC, or is it New Orleans or the Rams or other? Mm. You know what? I cannot say the Vikings are the best team in the conference uh, with Keenum starting for them. I like them. I think they're a very nice. They're they're far better than I expected. But I would I would disagree uh, with the first part of that statement. And if you are going to make me pick a team right now, Wow, do I go Rams or Saints? That's a tough one. I guess I would go right now. I might go Saints, but I will disagree. I think the Saints are the best team maybe in the entire NFL now that their defense that? is playing the way it's playing. I mean, the, the Buffalo does not have a great offense, but the Saints just demolished them. And, yeah, I wouldn't have expected that after week one when Sam Bradford had the best game of his career, but they've really turned things around and have had a very good defense since. You had uh, a great running game. You had one of the best quarterbacks of all time. That's a difference maker for me. They have Drew Brees. You don't have Drew Brees. And so if even if the Vikings have a better defense, and uh, you know they have good weapons too, they have a good offensive line too, I put them first, and I probably put the Rams second, but I am very interested to see how this matchup plays out, which is my next agree or disagree. Agree okay. or disagree, Judd, the Vikings will beat the Los Angeles Rams at U.S. Bank Stadium next week. Okay, uh, I reserve the right to change this decision because it's a Sunday right after a game, so I very easily, by Wednesday or Thursday, could change. But I will agree that they will beat the Rams, uh, especially if Griffin's back. Um, I think this defense is going to play a superior game to what we saw today. The Rams are really good, but I think in this case, 
if this game were being played in the Coliseum, I would probably pick the Rams. It's being played uh, here, so I am going to say the Vikings will win. I agree. The Lions took care of business against Cleveland after falling down 10 to nothing, which, I mean, when they're down 10 nothing, I'm seeing a lot of tweets like, oh, look at this. Yeah, okay, right, yeah, all right, just give it time. And eventually Cleveland found hilarious ways to botch that game. Um, so Detroit gets another win. They have this easy schedule that we've talked about quite a bit. Over, under, I'm setting it at, well, agree or disagree, the Vikings will need more than 10 wins to win the division because of Detroit's schedule. Um, I will agree with that. That schedule, I mean, now, now, and in fairness, I mean, that schedule is essentially the Vikings as well. So it's not like the, the Vikings play this incredibly tough schedule and the Lions get off easy. Uh, but given who the Lions have left, and given who is starting for them right now, I will agree the Vikings will need more than 10 wins to win the division. Because just like today, I mean, if Detroit was playing a real professional football team today, they probably lose, right? But the Vikings played them two weeks ago in London, and the Vikings got, or, and the Lions got them today. And when you're playing the Cleveland Browns, you would have to actively work to lose that game. Agree or disagree, we see Teddy Bridgewater on TV from Minnesota unless I travel, plan on going to one of these games. But Vikings fans yep. see Teddy Bridgewater on TV rather than at home when he makes his return because they have three straight road games here coming up, then come back home December 17th. So they see Teddy before December 17th. Agree or disagree? Oh, I cannot be strong enough in saying I completely agree with that. He will play. I think he either plays where you've been saying, which is at some point on Thanksgiving Day against Detroit, um, or, or what I've been saying, which I believe is the next game in Atlanta at some point, whether he starts or comes in. Uh, I think the only thing the Vikings are trying to do is find the right place to play him. Um, but what Mike Zimmer said is the truth. Mike Zimmer is it's only a matter of time before he plays. And the full plan, I think, of Rick Spielman, of ownership, and of the head coach is to play him, and I think it's before they come back. All right. Anything else to add before we go, Judd? Uh, just quickly, um, from around the league, I'm looking at a story right now, Matthew Collar. John Fox's touchdown challenge results in Bears turnover. <laughs> All right. Listen, folks. Pat Shermer, I know you love him, and he's done a great job, and he deserves your praise. But when I read you a headline like that, if you for one second in your little heart of hearts, your little purple hearts, think to yourself, you know what the Vikings are going to do? They're going to step up to the table, and they're going to pay Coach Shermer to stay here as O.C., when you have as many nincompoops coaching football teams as we do, Pat Shermer deserves another opportunity to be a head coach, and he's going to get it. His tombstone should not say, got his chance in Cleveland, <laughs> which Eric Mangini is going to say, and Pat Shermer is going to say. Mike Pettin. Down the list. Yes, yes. Pat Shermer is going to get, when you consider what he has done with this offense this year, I can't praise the guy enough. And, I mean, today, today that touchdown pass to uh, from Keenum to Morgan was a complete product of play call, right? All that motion, the jet sweep that they faked as if they were going to run a jet sweep with McKinnon. And they and it was a very, very simple play call, but all of the stuff around it was genius. Pat Shermer deserves another chance in this league to be a head coach. I mean, I think that you could look at a lot of plays that were made by Case Keenum that go right to Pat Shermer. The, the throw to mm -hmm. Stephon Diggs, he, he has utilized big heavy uh, package personnel packages 
play actions. I mean, Diggs ends up one-on-one with Norman and then makes a nice move to get around him to be wide open. I, I mean, it, it's really been incredible what he's done to transform this offense. And I think a lot of that starts with the offensive line. Did you notice a couple of times that Riley Reef was moved over to the other side of the offensive line and then they ran in that direction? So th- I did not. They, they slid him over instead of having him play left tackle. He was yep. on the right side outside of Rashad Hill and they just really? ran, and they, yeah, and they just ran that way. And then okay. they opened up a big Genius. gap. Yeah. I mean, it's just really clever what he does with personnel packages and play actions and there there's so much uniqueness there and I agree. I don't think anybody thought, "Oh yeah, they'll be uh throwing to uh, David Morgan here down at the end zone, and, and then here they did. So yep. 100% with you that he will very likely, if it continues this way, get a shot to be a head coach again, which I think is upsetting to Vikings fans, but at least for right now, uh, he won't be going anywhere. So, All right, well, thank you, Judd, and uh, we will be thank back you, Matthew. soon this week. Got some fun things coming. Uh, Going to have a conversation with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus about the analytics of the Vikings, what they say about the quarterback situation and so forth. Courtney Cronin will be back as well. So thank you all for listening, and thank you, Judd. Bye.